I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Key on the Merc with the Movie Blog podcast feed. Every other week, we're reviewing one Harry Potter movie, or whenever these come out, because they don't come out on time. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm joined, as always, by Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. I don't know, you guys, you bring in the energy tonight. Wow, that's really surprising, <laughs> I'm <laughs> exhausted, but it's fine. As always. And we have a very special guest from Shrows of the North. Hello, Daniel. Hi. Nice to be here. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, so we ask this question to all of our guests before we get started. When did you first get into Harry Potter? What is your experience with the series? Yeah, so I think um, I would have been five or six when my mom started reading uh, the first one, Philosopher's Stone, to us. and. Um, then I saw the, like, second movie in theater. Like, the first film I remember seeing in theaters as a child, and it, it was my favorite film. It still is. And, yeah, I've read uh, most of the books a number of times. And I had read a bunch of them by the time, like, I was in. I had read all of the ones that were available. And then Half-Blood Prince came out. It was a little different after that, but... Um, oddly enough, my my father managed to guess Dumbledore's death. Oh, that... In in its entirety. In before its... the oh, book wow. came out, oh, he wow. said, Snape is going to kill Dumbledore. And I was like, that's not... <laughs> and then it did. Of course. It was, it was the most wild experience as a kid. <laughs> and yeah, I've I've loved all of the movies and the books. Most of my life has been linked by Harry Potter. Yeah, I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of a lot of the people that are really because I was talking to somebody the other day about it, and they were saying that it just never hit them. And mm. I feel like you had to have gotten into it, mm. like either when young. it was either either young or when it was the craze. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. If, if you miss to, the craze, I don't think it's going to hit you when you're older. To put it in perspective, when the movie we're talking about today comes out, I was about sixteen, seventeen. So okay. I was the age of the trio in that final battle. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I'm sure. <laughs> and yeah, like uh, especially when you find like a character in the books or the books that you really find a kinship with it it kind of sticks with you, unlike uh a lot of other very good books but yeah uh you, you know, don't like get into them as sorry what was that no i was gonna say yeah sometimes you just get like really attached to the characters and then jk rowling says they're gonna die at the end uh <laughs> you know well yes but yeah, I mean, my I favorite character doesn't die because she marries Harry. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that Ginny is their favorite character. I love Ginny, but I'm interested in that. So Ginny's your favorite character? 
Oh yeah, because like I I read most of the books before I had seen a lot of the films, and、yeah. I I like I always thought she was kind of a badass. Yeah, like especially one of the books, it talks about them playing like two on two Quidditch and her just kicking everyone's ass. Who is like two of them are on the Quidditch team at school. She's better than she's like fifteen. And、yeah. I don't know. She was just kind of awesome, and the bat bogey hack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think she's a great pick. I just i I don't think I ever really hear people say that Ginny's their favorite. I I like that though. Sarah, yeah, who's your and favorite? Then... <laughs> who's my favorite character? Yeah. Um. Well, it's got to be my my man Snape. Ah,、oh, God, I hate you. Uh, no. And Ron, Snape and Snape, Ron, but probably Snape. Snape. Is cool. I like Snape. I I just I feel like that's that's the like now people are like that's such the what's what's the word the um obvious choice or whatever. Like I feel like everyone's come around to be like, oh, you like Snape? That's so basic. Look, I just don't completely. Uh, I I'm one of the people that is. Not entirely sold on Snape's、uh, <laughs> redemption in quotation marks.、Um, we'll see, talk about it. See, I don't think I I don't think his redemption is deserved either. But that doesn't take away from him being character. No, no, I I do agree. I do agree <laughs> that he's a cool character. But I feel like I, I and I think he's like a, a well written character. But I.、Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people that are like, "Oh, I love Snape. He was a good guy all along." I'm like, "I was he? Was he、oh, a good no, guy no, all no. along?" <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not that person. He's yeah, a yeah. terrible person, but <laughs> yeah, I just, like... I really like the, I really like what she did, and I, I don't know. I just really like the character, even though he's a terrible character. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I like him. You know, I, I, I do think he's a well-written character. I just, yes. Don't think he was a good person the whole time, like no, a lot of、no. people say now. Snape was a good guy the entire time. I, I, I don't no, know. No, he wasn't. <laughs> Everything was selfish. It was still motivated selfishly. Like he's still terrible, like character. But I like, I like that. Like I like that he was unapologetically just like I'm evil. I'm terrible. I just care about Lily. I don't really care about this kid. I'm protecting. I care about his mom. Like I don't know. Like to me, I'm like that's so interesting. Like this is such. A... Like I don't think I I've read a character like that. I care about his mom. <laughs> like、that... I could care less about Harry. Like that's. I don't know. That's me, a like, take.、Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into the actual movie.、Uh, today we're covering Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, directed by David Yates, written by Steve Kloves, released July fifteenth, two thousand eleven, four days before my birthday.、Uh, and the score was done, like the last movie, by Alexander Desplat. All right,、um, I'll go last <laughs> on on the actual thoughts.、Uh, Daniel, what do you think of this movie? Like overall, general, do you like the movie? Do you, what do you what do you think about it? I actually really like this movie.、Um, like, despite the various changes, it is like very entertaining, and、mm-hmm. like they they do manage to score the the big moments.、Mm-hmm. And I do have one gripe with it, but it's more along with the the part one. And、okay. I think that I think that the Gringotts heist should have been in part one. 
Yeah. Like it should have it should have ended with a victory for the heroes and for Voldemort. And then like a cliffhanger of them diving off the dragon would have been perfect. But I mean there there was a lot to put into these two movies, so Yeah, I mean the last like the last third of the book is enough to be its own movie. Mm. Yes. Which it's just the Battle yeah. of Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it is a tough book to adapt because it's like the first two thirds are too much for one movie. I, in my opinion, it's too much for one movie, but not enough for two movies. But the entire last third is enough for a whole movie. So you end up with like two and a half movies worth of book in there and you have to do something with that. So I'm sympathetic to uh, the struggle of trying to adapt book seven. Uh, but we'll get a little bit more into that in a minute. Uh, Sarah, what do you think about uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2? Um, it's a, I remember really, really liking it when I watched it in the theater and being like, I feel like it's kind of like the end game comparison where like, this is the greatest wrap up. And I was like so emotional and stuff. And then when I watch it by itself, I'm kind of like, oh, uh, okay. Like, it's okay. It's, it's clearly the part two of part one. Um, I do want to touch on the score to me always reminds me of the Hunger Games. It sounds just like the Hunger Games. I've never and, seen Hunger Games. Well, that's our next <laughs> review show. <I'm> <laughs> um, um, but it's that it's you can tell the difference from obviously like the very beginning, like Chamber of Secrets score. Um, it's very very different style, but it just it. It feels like a lot of those movies around that time in, like, 2011, where they all came out with, like, that kind of... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm just like, this is literally The Hunger Games. This is all the, like, dystopian young adult movies in 2011 on. Like, they all sound like this, and, like, that bothers me. Because, like, it doesn't feel like Harry Potter anymore. It just kind of feels like it fits in with everything else. Uh, but that's my one little nitpick. But, I mean, it's okay. It's It's good i guess i don't know it's interesting you, you say that oh no i, I want to hear what daniel's about to say yeah it's it's interesting on. you say that because uh a friend pointed out to me recently that it's in either the first or second movie john williams's score for the quidditch match sounds very much like it belongs in a star wars movie which the yes. prequels came around yeah. about the around the same time as that and it's... you you notice, like, well, I mean, these guys do the scores for everything, so you yeah. start to notice similarities in their, I mean, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember it, but his, his noise is the boom. Hans yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, exactly. Every score is the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, I believe it's Chamber of Secrets, and it's that there's a bit, of the Quidditch uh, music that sounds exactly like the chase scene at the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Yes. Me and my, uh, hu yeah. my husband said the same exact thing when we watched it, and we looked up, and he was like, yeah, it's literally the same. Yeah. I I run a Harry Potter-themed Dungeons & Dragons game, and that I is use amazing. it as my battle music. That is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, my dungeon my dungeon master screen is a 3D puzzle of the Hogwarts castle. Wait, okay, so like are you are the <laughs> are they players 
are they playing as students and they're like going through the years or they they are students but they are like the regular dungeons and dragons classes okay. there's a whole story as to why there's old magic and... okay yeah that's that sounds awesome <laughs> It's pretty fun. We've only had one session, but I've had about four other ones planned, and figuring out Quidditch is interesting, but fun. <laughs> so, okay. Deathly Hallows. Sorry to go off track a no, little bit no, there. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm dreading uh, the rest of this. Uh, as a finale to the seven movies that came before, I think it's pretty good. I don't I don't quite agree that it's endgame. But I oh, think it no. does a yeah. decent job of of being a finale to the seven movies. As an Adam Yes, go ahead. I, I think it is a an endgame because like I I felt a lot more for this movie than I felt for either of the two previous ones. Hollows okay. Part 1 That's and Half-Blood Prince. Uh -huh. So, like, it, it kind of, especially when I saw it, brought back the love of the Harry Potter films that I had for the first five. I was fully on board for the whole movie. I cried many times. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I think it was pretty good as an ending. Uh, yeah. Considering most, most series don't get good. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, some series really don't land that ending. Uh, uh, not don't now, do it. Uh, Don't do like it. Like Hunger Yeah, that is definitely the movie I was thinking of. Yep, um, I know. <laughs> uh, So, I, I'm gonna, I, as, as, as a movie, I think, yes, but I just, like, the movie's, uh, my biggest gripe, not that my biggest gripe, but one of my big gripes is that the movie is like 20 minutes shorter than part one. And mm. it's like the shortest Harry Potter movie. Yeah, that's a good yeah. <laughs> That is That is a little weird. It's, yeah, the, I actually went because I'm passionate. And I went and I researched all the, the run times of the movies. And Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the shortest Harry Potter movie behind, behind Order of the Phoenix. Um... Which Order of the Phoenix is eight minutes longer, but like, how how is Order of the Phoenix one of the shortest Harry Potter films? Have I don't you know. Seen the that longest book? books. Yeah, <laughs> it's I like mean, twelve inches thick. <laughs> Chamber of Secrets is two hours and forty one minutes, and it should be. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that's because back then I I agree with that. I will watch Chamber of Secrets back to back, but that's Ooh. just me. Most people hate Ooh. it. <laughs> yes. Well, oh my gosh. I wouldn't, say I, hate it. I wouldn't <laughs> say I hate it. I wouldn't say I hate it. I say as it's number eight in the rankings, uh, or in my ranking. Oof. Um, it uh, to re uh to re say what I've said in other episodes. I just think that it's like not. I I think it's very similar to Sorcerer Stone, but I like the mystery of Sorcerer Stone more. And mm. so like, and I just like it when they get older. I like the I I'm weird. Um. I, I know. Uh, I know that's not super popular, but Half-Blood Prince is like one of my favorite of the, the Harry Potter movies. So, um, yeah, Half-Blood Prince is number two and Goblet of Fire is number one. So I'm a very weird <laughs> Harry Potter. I have very weird Harry Potter taste. Um, it's okay. I have Prisoner of Azkaban at six. Oh, you would have gotten along <laughs> great with Kaylin. 
all this prisoner Azkaban hate. Like, I don't... <laughs> it's it's so the confused. werewolf. It's the werewolf. Oh, the Honestly, werewolf does not look great. They spent so much money on a hippogriff, and that looks awesome. Yeah. The, the werewolf, werewolf is so bad. <laughs> that's yeah. that's true. Uh, all right. So, like I said, movie's 20 minutes shorter than part one. It's way too short of a movie, I think. It should have been at least two and a half hours. It could have been three. But uh, one of my other really big, like, issues with the movie, and it's not, it's, I shouldn't say it's my issue with the movie because it's an issue I have with the book. To really hate how they handled Draco Malfoy in the last book. I mm-hmm. I really feel like they're like, hey, he's going to get a redemption arc, but at the same time, he doesn't need a redemption arc. But at the same time, we're not going to spend time on it. Like, I feel like it doesn't know what to do with him at the end. Mm-hmm. And so, because I, I really wish we could have talked to Kaylin about this, because Kaylin said last time that she doesn't think that Draco needed the redemption arc, which I kind of agree with. Um, but... The point being, I don't think the movie or the book knew what they wanted to do with Draco. They wanted him to end the book, like, redeemed in quotation marks, but they didn't want to spend time getting him there. So I really... When Draco... And I, goes, think, yeah. I think they could have pulled it off. I mean, it wouldn't have matched the book either. But no. they have him walk across the courtyard. He could have just stopped I, yes. and turned back. And that would have been amazing. The the exact reason that I wrote this note down, Daniel, was because when I was watching the movie at that scene, I was like, I wish that they had changed from the book and they had had him stand his ground and not go to Voldemort. Like, there's Although a scene that's, they, yeah. they probably would have had to kill Narcissa. Yeah, probably. Uh, Voldemort would do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's a scene that's cut from the movie. It, it's not in the book. They were going to put it in the movie. They filmed it, but they didn't end up using it. And it's when Harry, like, reveals that he's alive during the final, like, little bit at the end there. You see in, like, some behind-the-scenes footage, there was a version of that scene where Draco ran up to Harry and gave him his wand. And oh. I really wish they had kept that in. Because I don't think it would have fixed all the problems, like, my, it wouldn't have fixed Draco Malfoy as a character for me, but it would have gone a long way in a place that the book doesn't. So I wish they'd kept that in, but it's cool. It's like when Harry rolls out of Hagrid's arm, you just, you see Draco Malfoy run past Voldemort, yell Potter, throw the wand to Harry and run off. So I get that it would have yeah. been hard, because then, like, Voldemort would have definitely killed him. So it's, yeah. it's difficult, but I think it would have been a nice scene. Although you you also could add the fifteen to twenty minutes you want onto this film by just having the shield scene. Yes. You don't even need to put it in the Great Hall. You could have yes. had it outside in the courtyard. But we will talk about Harry that. <laughs> Harry proving that he knows more than Voldemort was pretty crucial and they they did drop it a bit. So, yeah, we'll talk about that right now because you bring it up because the other note I have for general discussion is that I really hate the Voldemort and Harry fight uh, yeah, I, in the movie. I don't like it. I, it's very flashy, and I think that ruins it. Uh, it's not supposed to be flashy. I love... Um, I wish I had my book with me because I... I obviously, I think everybody talks about, you know, he gets Thanos snapped. <laughs> right, Voldemort gets gets Thanos snapped at the end, and dusted. it's yes. really I really dislike that because I think the quote in the book is that like Voldemort's 
corpse hits the ground with a mundane finality. It's something yeah. like that. And it's supposed to be this big moment of like, he is just like everybody else. He is as mortal as everybody else is. And he's as capable of dying as everybody yeah. else is. And he doesn't get some big death or he turns into a bunch of little pieces and floats away. Like that's not what happens. Uh, See, so I agree with you there with the weird dust flying away. Yeah. But I do kind of appreciate the the fight with the flying through the castle because I thought it was very Voldemort in his rage to just forget about using all magic and just try and destroy Harry Potter by running him through brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. I I think I think it works fine on its own, but I think the issue is that I uh, if the books did not exist. I think I would enjoy that a lot more, but I think it's that I know that there's another version of it that I think is done much better. And so yes, whenever I true. watch it, I can't help but think of the book version of the final, the final fight. Uh, so yeah, I, I, those are kind of my general thoughts on the movie without getting it, into it too much. Uh, but I, as a, as a movie, I think it's pretty, pretty well done. I think it's pretty good, but as an adaptation, I, I really dislike this movie. I, I, I wish that I didn't, but, uh, and I, I've done a full 180 on it, to be honest, because maybe I just need to stop thinking so hard about it. But I really did enjoy the movie when I saw it in theaters. When I saw the movie when it came out, I really loved it. But just every time since I've rewatched it, all I can think about is like, it, it feels like a fraction of what should have been in there. I, I rewatched both Hollows movies and, I I just consistently feel that way about one more than I feel that way about. Okay, that's interesting. I I, I mean, think most people will probably agree with you. I I don't. I where, where did I put one? I I thought one was uh, I put one. One was number four for me on my list. So I I like part one. I think part one's I pretty pretty fine for me. Part one is like mostly amping. Yeah, but I don't know I love that. I don't know why I like it so much, but I really like that it's just so different. We don't go to Hogwarts, like, at all in it. I think we see That's it, like, interesting. I like that, but, you know, too much, too much camp. <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. I, I do enjoy the camping. Too much woods. I think, I think that's why I enjoy the movie so much is because I like those camping scenes, but I understand why people would not. Um, it can really, I, I get how it could, uh, it could drone on a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, be right back. I gotta set a perimeter charm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, usually we go over new casting, but there wasn't. When I looked at the list of cast members, there wasn't anybody really of substantialness that got added yeah. in this movie. I guess there's just like, no, no. If they're on, yeah, there's like. Fenrir's most scenes are here. It's where you really know who he is. Yeah. Because other than the Battle of Hogwarts, he's just a name that people say, I think. I mean, he's kind of... I don't even think we really get that much of Fenrir in uh, this movie, but we do yeah. see him in book six when they, they add that scene or the movie six that where they added that scene of the attack on the burrow. And, uh, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah, he's there for that. Uh, oh yeah. But I, I think you're right. Pretty much 
He might show up at the end of book six in the tower. I know he's supposed to be there in the book. Yes. Yeah, I think he's there, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, he's a much bigger threat in the books because you always hear about him being half a werewolf all the time. I don't know. He just, he's never around except for this one. See him eating lavender? Yeah, yeah, he takes out lavender in this one, which, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that stuff because there are some differences with that. Uh, but Sarah, Daniel, do you guys have anything else you want to say generally about the movie before we like talk about the scenes that we picked? Um, I'll, I'll take it way back real quick um, okay, to, to what you said about Malfoy. I actually really like how their story ended, like. I don't know. I like that they just kind of like ran away <laughs> and I... got out of the whole battle. Like I, I didn't really need him to be redeemed. I don't know. I just think that's it's kind of the perfect like they really only care about themselves. Maybe I just like characters that care about themselves. I don't know because <laughs> like throughout this whole thing, like I like that Narcissa was just like I just care about my son and I care about my family and I don't care about what side we're on anymore and that like they throughout all this like there's still just these selfish characters that don't even really care about the outcome and i don't know like to me i'm like that's the perfect wrap-up on them like i didn't need them to be redeemed i didn't need draco to be like harry we're best friends now like i didn't need all that not that not that that's what you're saying but yeah i mean i'm like that's the perfect end like that's i would agree how i just I would agree yeah, if that I was just... the end, but it's not because we see well, Draco yeah. 19 years later and him and Harry nod at each other and they're like, yeah, all right, we're fine. Like, but if, like, but if I, like I was that. Harry, like, I... no, I, I get that. I get, I get why it's like fine, but I feel like if I was Harry and this dude who like just ran away when everybody else is, I don't think that he'd be as cool with Malfoy. Like I, yeah. I, it's it's the thing. It's the addition at the end of them being cool at the end. Like they're not friends, but they're like, yeah, we nod at each other, and we're like, yeah, we're people that acknowledge each other. And I just, I don't, I don't buy that. With them, yeah. I think he'd walk over and be like, "Well, Draco, you coward, you I think, ran away." I don't, I don't know if he'd do it 19 years later, but I don't think that he'd nod at him. <laughs> like, I'm sure they had, they'd have that fight, but I think it would have been like he sees Draco and ignores his presence, like shuns him, like. I I I don't think, I don't think they would have treated him as like yeah you're one you're like you're you're like a person and we acknowledge you. Well, I, feel I like think they would, he, you know... I think he respects him for like not ratting him out like when he lied about not recognizing Harry. Like I think I think that's the little bit of redemption that I needed. Like him just not uh, ratting Harry out and the what we talked about in part one. Like I think maybe that's where he's like okay he's not all bad. Or I don't mm-hmm. know. Damn, I, I, I see know. what you're saying. Yeah, I was I was gonna point out that I guess if he was shunning Draco in that finale scene, would make cursed. What was it? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. It you would make again. yeah. It would make cursed child make a little bit more sense. Uh, I don't. I I actually like a good amount of it until the the parentage bit because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's no mathematical possibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
my main issue with Cursed Child comes from Harry as a parent. I just don't believe that Harry would act that way to his kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess with what we were shown, like, honestly, I could get over the Voldemort stuff. I could get over all of the other stuff. It's, I feel like Harry becomes like his aunt and uncle at the end. Yeah. And I hate that. I don't, yeah. it doesn't, that, that's Although, the biggest problem for me. I, I, I thought that a bit and I read somebody's review pointing out that like, it's, the the way the way Albus would look at him is that he's authoritative and always giving yeah. him rules because that's how boys look at their uh, father, especially yeah. if you feel opposite of his values. But yes, that's that's a conversation for another. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> maybe we do have to do Cursed Child. Uh, <laughs> there's there's one line in particular. I I. I, 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 if, if we ever do Curse Child, Daniel, you'll have to come to that. I uh, would, I would reread it and come on and talk about it. That's the, finish it. That's the thing I always tell Sarah whenever she's like, we should do Curse Child. It's, if I'm gonna do Curse Child, I need to reread it first because yeah. I would not feel comfortable, like, reviewing it, going off of my memories of reading it. Yeah. I read it in one sitting. Uh, I, I sat down and I read the whole thing in one sitting. Uh, so I I would need to reread it first. And so the entire chances of us doing a Cursed Child review is predicated on me willingly reading <laughs> Cursed Child. <laughs> uh, see, see, I'm a theater kid at heart. So I really okay. liked the, the play format and everything. I'm mm. I'm actually, I'm I'm pretty okay with it. I, uh, maybe I have to reread it. Maybe I have to. Maybe I'm just letting my like, my. Maybe I'm just letting it blind me. Maybe I'm letting my hatred blind me. Uh, all right. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it wouldn't be through the port key if we didn't go on an entire side tangent. Um, nope. that's what this show's about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna do in-depth discussion now. There are a couple scenes that people have picked. I have not picked a scene yet, so hopefully I'll pick one by the time. It gets to me, but we're going to start... We usually go chronologically, so we're going to start with Daniel. Because one of the scenes you said that you had in mind was McGonagall and Snape's big confrontation at the end. So, or I mm. guess kind of it's kind of the middle of the movie. But yeah. uh, what is it about that scene that you love so much? Well, I've always liked um, like McGonagall as a character. She's, she's pretty awesome. And like... Uh, it's it's pretty close to the book as well. It's her taking over the castle and, like, instructing all the different teachers on what to do and ordering the Slytherins to the dungeon to the cheers of the crowd. And uh, my favorite thing is the when she animates all of the stone statues and then turns to Molly and just says, like, I've always wanted to use that spell. <laughs> and it's it's just like one of the one of the like coolest moments that you see of like displays of magic in a lot of the movies. I agree. It's, it's them all preparing for battle. Yes, and I think that some of the creativity that's in the books translated very well to the movie. We've talked about in the past on this show how 
the magic that was written in Harry Potter is very creative. They do a lot of weird stuff with it, but in the movie, it kind of just gets translated to like balls of light flying around and people just flicking wands and not really even saying spell names, just doing stuff. So I do, I do really appreciate that they kept that part of the movie in, uh, or that part of the book in with the, with the, the statues coming down and all of that. Sarah, what do you think about the, uh, about that scene? Um, okay. So my, when that scene was about to start, my husband's like, oh, this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I just find this scene so cheesy. Like, um, not the confrontation part. Cause I love that. But when the statues and when she says that line, I'm just like, oh, it's so cheesy. I don't know. It drives me nuts. And he's like, yeah, that's the point of it. And then we watched it and I was like, okay, this, I do love this. This is really, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I just love it. Um, I did a 180 on it, but, um, I think in like script wise, it's that moment of like, we just had this tension with Harry and Snape and all that and then Baltimore. And now we can kind of like have a chance to breathe and have a little chuckle or whatever. Like, I think it does a good job of like cutting the tension that they just built to. Um, so I understand the importance of having that scene. Um, and now I appreciate it. So. But I used to really hate it. Uh, I like this scene. I think it's fine. I There are parts of the book that, like, because in the book, uh, in the book, they're in Ravenclaw Tower and all yeah. this stuff is happening with the Karos. Um, she, she actually sends, like, Sir Cadigan to go round yeah. people up as well which isn't in the fucking the, he's not a is he in the he's, movies who's that what yeah yeah exactly no. uh i think he's yeah. in some unedited footage in the yeah. first one and yeah they decided they didn't like the look of it but the ghosts look awesome I... they do <laughs> uh it, so because like in the book this is part of the stuff because i wrote down the differences and there's a lot of them uh because in the book I love Amicus Caro spits in McGonagall's face. And then mm-hmm. Harry throws off the cloak and uses the Cursiatus curse on, on mm-hmm. him. Uh, until he passes out. And I love, I, I love you get to see in that moment just how much the students love McGonagall, even though like they, they're, they complain about her a lot. They're still like, when, that when one of the Karos and Amicus spits in her face, immediately Harry jumps to the Cruciatus. Um, also, it's great that he can't perform the Cruciatus on Bellatrix with the rage yes. of Sirius' yes. death, but just insulting McGonagall's honor yes. is enough yes. to... <laughs> I, I actually really... I, I don't know. I, I really, I really like that bit. So I wish that had been in the movie, but also I think that what they replace it with also works. I think the scene in the great hall also works. I just like, it's, it's a lot flashier almost in, in the book because like the duel between McGonagall and Snape, I mean, Flitwick and Sprout help McGonagall in the duel. Like it's the three of them against Snape in the book mm-hmm. and Slughorn is just kind of there. And he's like, I don't, I do like, <laughs> there's a line in the movie where Slughorn is like, I don't, I've never lost my wand before, but this time I just could not find it until the, after the fighting ended. And I, I, I actually like that line because, uh, 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I laugh at it every time. <laughs> I never noticed it until the last time I watched it for this. I did not notice that he says that, where he's like, oh, I just could not find my wand. And I don't know why, but <laughs> I noticed it this time, and I was like, you know I what? I didn't know really that happened. Out. I thought you were just joking. No, there's a line in the movie where he's like, I could not find my wand. I don't know where it went. It's never happened to me before. Wow, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> I, yeah, which is perfect for Slug Absolutely perfect. And I don't think that's in the book. I don't remember it from the book, but, uh, <laughs> yes. So I'm not sure that it is either, but it, yeah, it's so perfectly weird. to his character. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think for the Slughorn's not majorly in, I mean, Slughorn's not majorly in the books either. Like he's in six and then that's about it. He shows up in seven, but not a whole lot. But the little bit of screen time that, uh, is it Jim Broadbent that plays him? Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah. He's the guy from Moulin Rouge and yes, probably other things, but that's the first thing that pops he's to in my Game head. Game of Thrones for a couple Oh of yeah. He's in Game of Thrones. He's in a lot of things. Is he? Huh. Yeah, he um, I'm pretty. He plays one of the maesters, yeah. I think. Yeah, he does. He's, like, the arch ma- uh, he's in like okay. one season in like two episodes. Uh, he is arch maester Ebros. Yeah, he's the one that sure. cures. Um, sure, <laughs> sure. <in> season six. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, I believe you. Um, <laughs> he's in like yes. one episode, but it, it counts. <laughs> Uh, according to Wikipedia, he's in four episodes, Sarah. Uh, oh, you can't be well, a Game of Thrones mind. fan if you don't know how many episodes Jim Broadbent was in. <laughs> well, actually, well, that character doesn't have show. any... That character has nothing to do in the books, and the only actual Archmaester that matters is Marwyn. So... <laughs> I should I should actually read the books. They're long and dense, but much better. Are they good? <laughs> They are. I mean, I I really enjoy the political aspects of the Game of Thrones series. Yeah, so me too. The whole there's a whole Dornish plot that is completely abandoned in the mm-hmm. series that is a lot more scheming and political than it is outright warfare. I'll have it's, to ch- yeah, yeah. It's my second favorite series. Oh, what's your first? <laughs> now I'm curious. I'm probably gonna edit a lot of this out, but I need to know. Yes, my well, my first like favorite series would be Harry Potter. Okay, and okay. Game of <laughs> makes sense. Uh, all right, Sarah, you chose uh the Room of Requirements on Fire. Yes, I love that scene. Why do you love um, that scene? It's just visually great. I don't know. Um, I love. <laughs> I feel like these are all stupid answers. Um, I don't know. They usually are. No, I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what? Um, <laughs> this movie's perfect. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't. Well, I think it's the one action scene that I in this movie that I will watch all the way through. Like the the bank scene, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I kind of get bored. And this one, every time it comes on, I'm like, oh, here we are. This is my favorite um i love i love when ron is like chasing i just love ron in this whole scene but he like chases draco yeah. and he's like that's my girlfriend <laughs> and then when they're flying and they go back and he's like harry if we die for them i'm gonna kill you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just think like they have there's funny lines. it's just a fun like scene like it's a fun action scene it's kind of tense you don't really know what's gonna happen 
Daniel, what do you think about the uh, the scene in the room of requirement? Well, I'm I'm miss. It's missing a one line explanation of what that spell is, which is called fiend fight and yes. can destroy horcruxes. Yeah, they never really talk about that, do they? Nope. Which yeah, is why they stab it with it. a basil. It's that's yeah. why they stab it with a basilisk fang yeah. and kick it into the room. But in the books. They, the diadem falls into the flames and gets destroyed on its own. Because mm-hmm. horrible dark magic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like this scene. I, I, I don't, like, I feel like it's the scene that comes out of the movie, out of the, like, from book to movie, I feel like it's one of the better scenes in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I really, I, I honestly don't have any strong thoughts either way on that scene. I like, I guess I feel the same as you did with mine. It's just that I really like it and I almost picked it as one of my favorite scenes. Chose a couple just in Like, there were multiple people wanting to talk about this. Yeah. But I, I actually just decided not to because I really like the fact that, hey, one random follower of Voldemort's vision cast a spell that actually destroyed one of his orcas. And so I just, that's the one <laughs> thing that I just, I always wanted to happen in the movie. Just like just drop the thing by accident. Yeah. It would be that easy. <laughs> yeah. You even could have had those giant Voldemort faces chase them through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the giant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the scene I picked is, uh, I picked one finally, um, because, listen, it's hard because I I honestly am looking at the breakdown in the movie, and I don't know if there are any scenes in this movie that I love. There are definitely some that I like, but, uh, I decided to go with this one because it's the one addition to the movie from the book. Like, it's one of the changes from the book to the movie that I really like, and it's, it's related to what you said, Daniel, about the armor being summoned, but it's when Flitwick is like, you know who is going to be coming or whatever, and McGonagall mm. says, just call him Voldemort. He's going to try to kill you either way. It's, uh, it's funny. I have that written, my note card, about my favorite scene, but I felt I was talking for too long, so I no, didn't bring yeah. up the Flitwick bit. Yeah, that is one of the changes from the book to the movie that I actually really like that I think serves the story uh, in a better way. And I I just, I really, really, really love that bit. I don't know. Daniel, obviously you said that you were going to bring it up, but Sarah, what do you, do you have any strong thoughts about that scene or is it just one that kind of happens? No, I, I do really like that scene. I think that's a really good line. Um, and it kind of goes full circle with what Dumbledore is always saying, like, fear of the name increases fear of the person. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I like, <laughs> she's like, they're gonna, he's gonna kill you either way. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she's great. Yeah, he is. <laughs> well, why, you know, since Kaylin's not here, why don't, Daniel, you said you picked a couple. Why don't you pick one more scene to bring up and uh, and then yeah. we'll go to the differences. And and this will go way, way back. Okay. Um. It's it's just, like, when they show up, like, 
Um, the Hogsmeade uh, okay, yeah. bit I'm not a huge fan of because mm. the book changes are pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And I I miss the Patronus bit. <laughs> yeah. But um, them actually arriving in the castle and the, the like, the... Uh, what is it like the the like great hall music? It's not even the like first arrival to Hogwarts music, but the the very cheery, just transition scene music starts playing, and it's just very, very touching. Yeah, and even even the awkward moment with Ginny, and <laughs> the, and then him just saying like, "We're looking for a thing." It might be Ravenclaws. There's <laughs> not much to go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I really like it. It it's a it's a one small happy scene in kind of the whole film. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I also really like that scene as well. Sarah, what do you think about that scene? Any uh, strong thoughts? Not really. I mean, I always get mad when I see students and I'm like, they should have graduated years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't they also say in the book that some of the people that are staying there, like, haven't, have already graduated and they're like in the requirements. Yeah, but then you see them in the great hall. (laughs) Also, um, at one point in, in the final chapter of the book, they mentioned that all of the families of all of the students that stayed to fight show up. And yeah. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, How did he summon that many people? It's <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> Which, yeah. yeah. Um, um, they, they got a lot of reinforcements in the book that actually yes. don't even show up in the movie. Oh, and we will talk about that. Uh, <laughs> because we're about to start the differences portion of the podcast where I have a very long list of differences from the book to oh, the movie. Oh, and I might yeah. choose I might choose to skip over them. I might be angry no. enough to bring them up, but uh we'll see. First of all, one of the first things that I I I realized what I do is I, I go to the uh Harry Potter wiki and I look at their big list of differences and I choose the ones that I think are of note enough that bother me enough to bring up or you know, if it's a good change, I can I bring it up. Uh, not a lot of good changes in this movie for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first thing I wrote down, Harry never shows Ollivander his broken wand and is never mm. told that it can't be fixed. Uh, which I guess is not that big of a deal. But also it's kind of a big deal because when he actually does fix it at the end with the Elder Wand, that means something. But I don't think yes. it really Means I, as much I in the do movie. miss that from the end of the film because he doesn't fix his wand. He just breaks the elder wand, throws it off. Yeah, stupid. And I was like, no, fix, yeah. fix your <laughs> phoenix feather wand. It's the most important <laughs> object in the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a minor thing, but it bugs me. <laughs> um, the other next thing, uh, chronologically, Aberforth never tells Harry about the backstory with Albus and Ariana. Yeah. Like, that entire story is missing from the movie. Uh, yeah. And I feel I like... Guess, I guess yeah, the ahead. whole Rita Skeeter book is mostly missing from the previous yes. too, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely also missing from the last movie. Um, I also kind of feel like... 
okay, this is going to be reaching. I'm going to be reaching for a second. I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Crimes of Grindelwald and the Fantastic Beast movies overall. I like, <laughs> I like both the movies. I like Crimes of Grindelwald more than I like the first one. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I like the idea of the Crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> And I really wanted to see the Grindelwald story played out. The problem with it being in the Fantastic Beasts is I have to watch four or five movies about a character I know doesn't defeat Grindelwald in the end. Yeah. So are they going to change the plot and make Eddie Redmayne, Newt, Scamander, defeat Grindelwald? Or is Jude Law going to step in? I feel like like Jude Law is going to... If they finish the movies, I think Jude Law's gonna step in. That's a big if. Uh, um, that being said, I, I, I thought the first one was fine, but I really liked the Grindelwald stuff, so I very much enjoyed the second movie more, because it had more to do with Grindelwald, it had more to do with Dumbledore. And I yeah, feel... I feel they should have let her make those movies, but yes. throwing, throwing the Newt Scamander character is where I don't enjoy it. I, I understand. Um, but I do think that part of the reason that the general audience might not buy into the Grindelwald stuff so much is because a lot of, like, I feel like a lot of people that, a lot of the general audience has not read the books. They have, Mm. they know from the movies, you know, I feel like the Grindelwald stuff means so much more when you know about Albus and his backstory and none of that is in the movies. You don't get told about their relationship and I mean, the books also kind of gloss over it a little bit, but it's it's done better in the books at least. Uh, you don't know about the stuff with Ariana and Aberforth, and I feel like that's what drives a lot of the relationship between Albus and Grindelwald. And I don't think you can get that from Crimes of Grindelwald alone. I think you need to have that extra knowledge um, for it to work. So maybe it doesn't work as a movie very well, but... That's, I... that's really true. Although, like, actually, this one doesn't ever explain that Lily's love is the thing that's protecting Harry. A lot of stuff they don't explain. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they, they, really, they really don't explain any of the profound magics that are what Voldemort is. Like, did Voldemort make these movies? Because they overlooked <laughs> all of these ancient magics. <laughs> no, I like that. Uh, but that's my stretch. My stretch is that excluding the scene about Albus and Ariana and Aberforth affected uh, the the crimes of Grindelwald in a very roundabout way. Uh, it's a stretch, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, the next thing, I wrote a lot, a lot down about this. It's Snape and Caro's summoning all the students to the great hall in the movie instead of Electo seeing Harry in the Ravenclaw common room. Like there's a whole lot about that, that I like. So first of all, in the book, Cho offers to take Harry to the Ravenclaw common room, (laughs) but Ginny is like, no, Luna can take him. (laughs) And I, I really like that. I wish they'd kept that in the movie. Um, We see Electo show up and Electo sees Harry and immediately summons Voldemort and then Luna stuns stuns them and then Amicus shows up and Amicus freaks out and Amicus is like look let's just pin it on the kids to say that the kids forced 
electo to to call him like mm. uh, all that stuff I really like, and I really think it shows like the situation of Hogwarts better than what like there's a line in the movie where where Neville is like, "Yeah, I got that from the Caros in detention, and I just yeah. feel like the actual scene of them in Ravenclaw. The Ravenclaw common room. I also just like getting to see Ravenclaw common room. We don't get to in the movies, but I I've, don't know. I've got a question about yeah. the difference. Did you stumble across? Does Neville proclaim his love for Luna in the book? I do not think so. I don't think so. And um, like we know, we know from like either Pottermore or interviews right after the book. I think Potter that they end up with different people, but I was yes. always confused at that. Sure. It yeah, might I... have happened in the books, too, because I have a pretty vivid memory of it, but I'm not sure if I've read the I feel like they mentioned something about it, but that was something that I didn't write down. I didn't... It, it didn't... I think... I, I think... I don't think he mentions it with Luna. I, I don't think he has a... I don't think he says he's going to proclaim his love for Luna in the book. Um, okay. Yeah. So we talked about we talked about the stuff with McGonagall and Amicus, and we talked about, you know, Flitwick, Sprout, and Slughorn showing up, and Flitwick and Sprout uh, fighting Snape when McGon- with McGonagall. Uh, we don't get any of the Grey Lady's backstory in the movie. Like, all of that is just, is just gone. Mm. Uh, nothing with the... Uh, the bloody baron just like learning that the gray lady is helena ravenclaw like i in the movie do they just like assume that she is do they just it's not a big revelation do they ever bring it up or do they just treat uh, it like I, everybody knows i think well the way it's brought up is like luna tells harry that no one alive knows where the diadem yeah. is so yeah. you need to speak to somebody who's dead and that sends her I guess he could figure just the Ravenclaw goes and then had to rack his brain for her he does just refer to the great lady and she tries to fly away insulted huh. by her. yeah <laughs> I don't know I just I, I really think that backstory is interesting I feel like it adds a lot of character yeah. to the like ghosts I guess, I, I think if the movie was made today, they would still keep that out, but it no, would yeah. be like, it would honestly, it'd make more of a nod, but we would appreciate it just as an Easter egg more yes. than as a thing that they forgot to put in. I... It's just like, oh, I read the book, so I know the backstory of all yes. this, but here's here's the character and what they're about i i understand why they cut it if this is one of the things that i if i were making the movie i probably would have cut it too uh i'm just gonna say this again because i say it's every episode do a tv show please uh (laughs) please warner brothers make a harry potter tv show just adapt everything from the books uh sarah you're gonna be on my side about the tv show by the end of this Mm -hmm. i am kind (laughs) of on your side I feel like you didn't start on my side. I did not, but <laughs> over the course of this, have you have you kind of changed your tune a little bit? Yeah, 
Uh, we'll see how this Percy Jackson uh, TV show works out. I didn't know there no was a Percy Jackson but, uh, TV show. Yeah, they're doing a Percy Jackson TV show on Disney+. Plus. But yeah. I think I think what I would still end up taking a lot of things out. Because I would, if I was making a TV series about uh, Harry Potter, I would want to see the other days of the school year that we didn't see on film or in books. Okay. Like All flesh right, it out an and see yeah. see the Quidditch games that we didn't see. Mm. Things like that, or just do the Marauder. It's a story everybody wants to hear about do instead of Marauders. a rehashed version of a story we already like that they could just ruin. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I I feel like that's a whole other conversation, but uh, I I'm. I don't feel like if even if the TV show wasn't great, I feel like the movie still exists and the book still exists. And I, I'm I'm very much a yeah. the version of the story still exists. You can go back to. I think it'd be different if they'd made the movies and failed at like and they only got to number five and they didn't do all of them. But I feel like I feel like you could do the TV show now because you've done it well once before. There's a little bit of pressure off of you, and now you you're you're like I I almost feel like there would be less pressure. Because you, it already exists, and if you like, if you don't like the TV show, you can watch the movies again. They already finished it. Um, I don't know. That might be a crazy take. It probably is a crazy take. Uh, so in the book, they talk to Helena, and then Hagrid and Fang come crashing through the window, and they're being carried by like Grop. Like Grop's like sticks his hand through the wall of the castle and drops off Hagrid and Fang. And uh, I, I wish they'd kept that in. I feel like that's I feel like if this was Endgame, they would have kept that in. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think doesn't make this that makes this like not Endgame because Endgame mm. kind of has everybody coming back and everybody like that we everybody that we've seen in the past coming back and doing something and I feel like they don't quite do that with this movie. Mm-hmm. That's I think I think it would have it if you were making Harry Potter today, but yes. also like 2000, real different movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, in the book, in the book when Pansy Parkinson is like, he's right there, let's grab him. It's not like like in the movie, the Order just kind of steps in front of him, and in the book, it's first Gryffindor House, then Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, which. I kind of, I I could take that either way. I I don't really think it's that big of a difference either way to me. Yeah. Um. It would have been nice to have some Slytherins walk, but yes. Well, speaking of the Slytherins, in the book, McGonagall evacuates the Slytherins first. They don't like. She doesn't lock them up in the dungeons like <laughs> like war criminals. <laughs> she's like she she's like all right, we're gonna send them home first so that none of them turn on Hogwarts. And in the movie, doesn't, she's like lock them up. <laughs> doesn't she tell them to lead the first and second years out? I think I think maybe so. Like I I think that's that's the task that she puts on like Slughorn, Slytherin prefects. Yeah. He's yeah. like, just just go, like, just leave now, you know? Yeah, and everybody had already come in from the Hogsmeade Tunnel, so, yeah. like, you guys go out the other. Just don't, don't even have the conflict of 
heart just be elsewhere. Yeah, just just go. Don't even think about it. Just leave. Yeah. You know. You don't have to fight your dad if you're not here. Yeah. Uh no. it, I, yeah. I know. I feel bad saying that. I'm a Slytherin at heart, so Oh, oh has anybody oh, asked oh, you guys oh, oh, what your oh. house is? I don't know if we've ever gone over it. We might have, but I'm a Hufflepuff. Uh, I'm a Hufflepuff too. I'm a particularly great finder. Uh, <laughs> I was very uh, angry when I was a Hufflepuff. Found out I was a Hufflepuff. I'm like, are you kidding? Hufflepuffs are the best, though. Hufflepuffs are great. I'm You're sorry. Right. It fits very well. Hufflepuff pride. All right. <laughs> We're the stoner house of the. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are right. Um, you are right next, next to the to kitchens. The kitchen. We are next yes. to the kitchens, and I do like snacks. Um, we do like snacks. <laughs> um, in the book, the order arrives after the scene in the Great Hall, and they arrive, like, one by one from the Room of Requirement. Mm. And there's the scene cut of... There's an argument between Ginny, Molly, and Arthur about her wanting to fight. And that's cut out from the movie. She's like, arguing. She's like, I want to stay, I want to fight. And I think the compromise is they're like, fine, you can stay, but you have to stay in the Room of Requirement. You can't leave. Yeah, Ginny's uh, whole character. Yeah, Ginny's <laughs> whole character is removed from the movies. That's one of the differences. Um, Bonnie Wright plays. Actually, she plays it very well, but she plays yeah. a cardboard cutout of the character. Yes, I agree. Uh, not at all. No, nope, not at all. They don't bring up the evacuation of the underage students. Uh, that's never yeah. mentioned in the movie that they're evacuating the underage students, and if you're seventh year and up, you can stay. But or if you're a seventeen, as long as you're seventeen, you can stay. But if you're not seventeen, you gotta go. Uh, hmm. I talked about the change with Flitwick saying Voldemort that I liked. Uh, Ron and Hermione's kiss in the books is so much better. I'm sorry, it's. Because in the book, Ron is like, should we go warn the house elves about the Death Eaters? And then they kiss, and that is the, that is so much better than they're That's like, right. They, oh my they, god. Creature yeah. leading all the house elves. Yes! In, oh, I wish <laughs> I, I'm so tempted to go get my book so that I can find the actual passage, but he's like, he's leading the house elves and he's got like pots and pans that he's clanging together. Right. Like, I, I wasn't mad about them taking out Spew because it was uh -huh. my least favorite part of the books. But then when they didn't have them in the final battle, I was a little, a little disappointed. Yeah, it's just, I think, I I just, I think that Ron and Hermione kissing after, like, the way that it happens in the book. It's really works, weird. It works so much better for me than in the movie. Because in the movie, it's like after they destroy the Horcrux in the, uh, in the chamber and they get splashed mm -hmm. with the water. And they then they stare at each other. For some reason, they kiss. <laughs> it's not really clear. Uh, maybe it's like they we just almost survived, died. Sean. I That's know. Why. Oh my it's god! In the heat right. of the moment. Heat of the okay, moment. Okay. Well then, why didn't it's Harry like... and Ron kiss? Yeah. And Ron destroyed the locket. You got me there. <laughs> um, would have been a very interesting change from the. It would have been a very different change. <laughs> I want it. I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't, don't hate it. Uh, I don't hate it. The biggest... the, the I understand why this scene is cut from the movie because it, because the storyline leading up to it was cut from the other movies. 
but the duel in the hallway outside of the room of requirements is omitted, and that is where <sighs> Percy uses a jinx on thickness while announcing his resignation, and then Fred is killed in an explosion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one of my like I know people are really mad that she killed Fred I'm 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 upset but also like I, I I've made my peace with it I because I really I f- like the scene that it contains mm-hmm. I feel one of them had to die and like you couldn't have picked any of the older brothers. We didn't know or care about no, yeah, them. Yeah. And, like, Percy getting a redemption right before dying wouldn't have been Ugh. as big a knife in the heart. As... But having to live on past... Ugh. And, yeah, ah. like, what's worse than, like, losing a twin? Like, yeah. oof. It... it, it... I just I I understand why it was cut because all of Percy's storyline was cut, but um I it is one of my favorite scenes in the entire book and I just yeah. I side tangent but I just finished reading the first uh, book in the Mistborn series and there's a very similar scene in that uh, to Fred's death and it made me think of Fred and it made me very sad. Uh, but yeah, as as far as the movies go, there yeah. are like. There are the four Weasley boys, on the twins, Percy, and I think they have a cousin named Bill. Like, yeah. there there are whole Weasleys that aren't even mentioned yeah. in yeah. the films. I mean, is Charlie <laughs> ever mentioned? Maybe in the no. first movie once. he's mentioned once? Oh, that's, the, fourth that's one. the most, oh, the fourth. Uh, that's oh, the most egregious, Charlie. yeah, that's the most egregious missed scene from all of the eight films, is... <sighs> I I think it's Charlie and I think it is Charlie and Bill picnic tables and they're just like magicking them up into the air and crashing yeah. them into each other. Yeah. I I can't even remember what book that's in, but I, I don't love know, it. But it's the chapter art for one of the books is them doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't remember which book that's in. No, but yes, that is a great bit. Um in the book the Dementors are repelled by a bunch, like when they're going through the like the courtyard scene in the movie, and then the Dementors swoop in, and then Aberforth comes in and sends them all away. In the book, it's like a combination of a bunch of people. It's Harry, Ron, Hermione, Seamus, Luna, and Ernie McMillan. Uh, okay, like that's a, that's a change. That's fine, I guess. Uh, I would have liked to see those people come back. I would have liked if they brought back because Ernie McMillan is in one of the earlier movies, isn't he? Who's Ernie? Is he? Is he the Hufflepuff? No, that's Justin. I think he's in one of the earlier movies. I think he's a Hufflepuff. I, I'm not sure that he's actually in one of the movies. I do know he, he's in the first book because yeah. I looked for kids that were sort. <laughs> he's in Chamber of Secrets. He's in Goblet of Fire. Um, and that's it. Uh, oh wait, maybe. Oh, apparently he is in part two, but you just no, he's in. Is that the movie or the game? I can't tell. No, that's the movie. So apparently he is in part two, just not noticeably. So I will take that back. I just didn't notice him. That's my own fault. Um, well, did you really notice him in the books? <laughs> no, but he's one of the. Uh, I feel like I re- I notice him enough to recognize the name. Like he pops up enough in the book. 
that Ernie yeah. McMillan, I'm like, yeah, I recognize that name. Still um, but it's like, is. it's like Justin Finch Fletch. Who's that? Yeah. Hang on. He's super important. All right. That's the Hufflepuff, right? <laughs> I think so. In book two? Yeah. He's the yeah, one that gets something. petrified. I think so. Yeah. I think it's Justin. Actually, yeah. the one who gets petrified. Oh, well, with the camera is Colin Creevy. Well, yeah. But there's well, also. No, he's, he's the one that the snake talk like. He tries to keep him from um, attacking him, and he's like, "What are you playing at?" I'm pretty sure that's him. Yeah, he he sees the serpent through, um, yes. through nearly headless, Near, Nick. nearly headless. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway. the, the basilisk, not the serpent. Sorry, sorry, nerds. Uh, <laughs> Snape's flashback is quite. I, I am I am the nerd that I was saying sorry to. Uh, <laughs> Snape's flashback is quite different. Uh, Snape's death is different. Excuse yeah. Me? Yeah, but we'll get to different that. Different location? Uh, yeah, it's a different location, but who fucking cares? Like, that's, it's a different I location. I care! <laughs> okay, like, that's, I feel like that's not, because most of Snape and Lily's backstory is admitted. They just kind of meet, and that's it. That's all you really see. Um, they added Snape arriving at Godric's Hollow after parents, Harry's parents are killed, which I think makes him a worse person in retrospect. Oh, I like that scene. Which, I like when he's like crying and like holding. Oh, yeah, it's but a there's heartbreak. A, there's a fucking child in the crib next to you, and it's he yeah, doesn't do it. it. It just shows how much of an asshole he is. That he only <laughs> cares about Lily. But Harry's if you were gonna staring at him, and he's just like sobbing and crying. Oh, it's so good. Daniel, if if you were gonna do that, he he should have picked up the picture from the books and ripped ripped it in half. Oh yeah, <laughs> but like a, a perfect moment where in 2020 they would have thrown that Easter egg in, even if they weren't gonna mention the whole backstory. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would have just been better. Just throw the information. If we cared enough, we'd have read the books, right? Yeah. Just I, I I just imagine that when Snape is going up the steps, he just kicks James' bodies down but down the stairs. He just kind of <laughs> kicks him as he walks by. He's like, yeah. He like carries Lily's like all gracefully. He's like kicking James down the steps. <laughs> he's like, get out of the way! And he just, just, just like rolling it. Yeah. Smashes his nose in. Oh he's God. like, oh, that's for all those God. times you bullied me in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hagrid shows up. And he's like, wow, Voldemort really mutilated James. Like, he really took out his frustrations on him. And this Snape's so, yeah. just like, yes, Voldemort did that. I'll, I'll give, I'll give Snape this. Like, James Potter wasn't a better person than him. No, James until... is an asshole too. Yeah. Yeah, until like he was, he started being hunted by a, a like crazy, yeah, uh, psychopath. Yeah. James Potter was just such a yeah. That's the part. The, the, those are the parts of Snape's storyline that I really enjoy. Yeah, is like the kind of yeah. No, your dad was an asshole, kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I know that you idolize your father or whatever, but your dad was a dick. <laughs> uh. I have an interesting theory that if if uh, James Potter had become evil, like if he had been a dark wizard, then Sirius is too loyal to him. He would have stayed. Pettigrew is too much of a coward. He would have stayed. But Lupin probably would have died at the hands of Sirius at some point. Mm. It's it's a That's thing I think nice. about sometimes I as a thought exercise. Yeah. 
I want to see the fucking alternate universe version where James Potter is evil. I, I just want to see more of the Marauders. I just want to see more Sirius Black uh, and Lupin. Oh, yes. About? Well, here's speaking of Lupin. Um, all right. Hang on. No, I can't. I, it was too, it was a good segue, but I do need to bring this up. Uh, there is one last thing missing from Snape's flashback. It's not revealed that Snape. So they never bring up the fact that Snape was the one that cursed off George's ear in the movie but also they never so they they then in the movie never reveal that it was an accident and he was aiming for somebody else um but i yeah i mean i guess since you never included it in the first place you didn't need to bring it up but mm-hmm. i feel like it's an I, I like that moment in the book um harry mentions like when they're in the forest he's like remus uh you won't be able to see your son grow um when is he told that Remus is having a kid? Yeah, what son? <laughs> what son? Like, what are you? What? It's like what? <laughs> this is like, wait, what? How did you know? Uh, uh, yeah, that's all. Remus, just all of that missing. Uh, so yeah, because that's not in the first movie, right? Did we talk no. about that? We did talk about how like Remus showing up at um Grimoire yeah. places in in the movie. Yeah. Oh, I was trying to figure out like when is that? <laughs> yeah, it, he shows up at Grimwald Place, and then uh, Harry calls him a coward. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, one so of good. my favorite scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the one that I'm going to give a little a little tilted about. Uh, in the book, Harry tells Neville that the snake needs to be killed, not Ron and Hermione. Yes, because of the power of three. <laughs> Neville, Harry knew that Neville could have been the boy in the prophecy. And that is yeah. like, oh, it's almost him passing that role on to him after his death. Like he knew I'm, that. I'm Neville... not sure that he knew Neville could. No, the way it's fine. narrated from in his head is just like, he's just trying to make sure three people still know about the prophecy. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm definitely Dumbledore reading sure further it three. into it. I'm definitely yes, reading yes. further into it, but. Harry did know that Neville was the other one. I'm pretty sure in book five, when it's all being explained, they bring up that it could have been Neville, but Voldemort chose Harry instead. Yeah, I uh, we we can't talk about that in the context of the film because Saint Mungo's doesn't. That's true. Uh, but what I, my my point being in the book, I kind of read that as him passing on the role of the boy, like the boy who lived prophecy to Neville. Like, he's saying, you're going to complete this. It could have been you, and now it will be you. Uh, because he's planning on dying. He's not planning on killing the Horcrux and then coming back and finishing the mission. Like, he's passing on his role in, in all of this to Neville. And I, uh, that's how yeah. I read that bit. Um, I'm I'm not sure he's... Uh, see, I, I see it more as just he's trying... He knows that it doesn't take a special chosen kill horcrux everyone's destroyed one at this point that's fair and so he's just he's trying to keep the mission make sure because mm. he but, knows one person who knows the secret about to die but also at the then but then i would also question why is it neville that finds out like why why not anybody else why would you go to neville if you had any other option because at that point him. but like at that point they don't like, like we love Neville, but like Neville's still a klutz at the, like Neville hasn't done anything cool yet at that point. 
uh, he's he's shown some like he's done some cool things, and we've been told about that. But I don't know. I just I feel like part of that is be inspired by Neville having been the other boy that could have been the boy in the prophecy. Because I feel like if not, Harry would have gone to literally anybody else before Neville. He would have been You're like Luna. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Like, you see. He sees Any of the adults. three people. He sees three people on his march to the forest. Yeah, Neville. It's Oliver Wood. Which yes. no, you're not trusting Oliver Wood with the <laughs> prophecy. <laughs> Here, just destroy Voldemort. He's like, I only care about quitting. Yeah. <laughs> which I want to bring that up because he does when he finds Neville. He finds Neville and Oliver Wood carrying in Colin's corpse. Because Colin oh, had yeah. snuck back into the castle to help fight. Hmm. Uh, which, again, devastating. I just, I feel like the Battle of Hogwarts yeah. isn't as devastating in the movie as it is in the book. I feel like yeah. they, they skip over a lot of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Harry doesn't say goodbye to Ron and Hermione in the book. He thinks it's too painful to do so. Uh, whereas yeah. in the and movie we get that sees... big scene. He sees Ginny and he yes. stays invisible because talking to her would cause him to stop. Yeah, and Ginny mm. is comforting a girl who's crying for her mother when he sees her. Uh, it's just, it's this scene of him walking by all of these, all of this death and, and, and hurt and pain. And I really wish they'd kept most of that in the movie because I feel like it, I feel like it's necessary. Um it definitely could have been darker and more yes. like more devastating despite i mean they they were expecting mature teens to be watching yeah. it at this point right yeah and i do think that these movies get dark i mean look fucking harry and hermione in part one the ghosts are like naked and making out like oh, yeah <laughs> like they definitely had an age in mind for this movie uh <laughs> Also, like, if you're going by the books, like, um, it's, it's four, yeah, and, like, the ghost is, like, creeping on him in the back, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That even, yeah, even the books for, for kids, quotations. One of the things that's in the book that's not in the movie that I think is fine is Voldemort uses the Cruciatus Curse on Harry's dead body, um, mm-hmm. And Harry talks about how he can't feel it or whatever. That's a tough scene to translate into yeah. film. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it happens in his head. There's yeah. there's a lot of problems with that. Uh, Voldemort... Okay, so this is another thing. In the book, Voldemort seriously would have liked Neville to join him. Like, it's not played by... For a laugh. Um, mm -hmm. Voldemort is like, yeah, no, I... I'll... You... You actually joined, but I will say, I think Neville's speech in the movie is much better than the one in the book. Uh, in the mm -hmm. book, he just says, like, it'll be a cold day in hell before I join you. And obviously in the movie, he gives a big rousing speech that I absolutely love. Uh, I, I love, I love that, that speech to pieces. See, I complained about it earlier because I would have rather turned back. But I, I do like that awkward hug Voldemort gives yeah. Draco. Yeah, I do uh, think that's kind of funny. <laughs> he's he's so good. That's, yeah. um, I think it's Ray Fiennes? Yeah, Ray Fiennes is fantastic as Voldemort. I, I know. I uh, love, 
I love the story he tells of he knew that it was working when he was on he was on set in all the makeup and a set like a somebody on set had their little little son with them and he just mm-hmm. looked at the son and the son burst into tears and he was like oh, yes yeah. it's working <laughs> um, <laughs> in the book Voldemort tortures Neville by lighting the sorting hat on fire on his head oh yeah mm-hmm. uh. And doesn't Neville get knocked out by the thing falling on his head? It it does. So. It does hit him in the head. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe if the, no, I think Harry gets I, knocked out by the sword in book two, or he gets lightheaded at least. He yeah, almost gets and, knocked out. And it mentions that it does knock Neville yeah. on the head, and then yeah. it basically falls into his lap. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, and, this is yeah. Neville. I'm surprised he didn't stab himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in, in the book, that's where Nagini dies. Uh, in that scene, not, it, like in the movie, Neville gets flown backwards, and Neville kills uh, the snake right before Voldemort and Harry do their "Vada Kedavra Expelliarmus" uh, thing. But in the book, Nagini is killed in that scene. Um, so now for the really long one. This is the battle that we don't ever get to see. Which is the battle? Like, are oh we, yes, we get to kind of see it, but very barely. And it's the battle in the Great Hall. In the book, Harry does not reveal that he is li- alive until the very last minute. Uh, in the book, Trelawney is throwing prophecy orbs at the Death Eaters. <laughs> <laughs> like this would have been this would in in like this would have been the assemble moment, like where you there see. Were... There you were know. centaurs and yeah. house elves and ghosts and poltergeists. Yeah. And Groff is in orbs. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we see like, we see George and George Weasley and Lee Gordon, uh, Lee Jordan, uh, Lee Jordan take down Yaxley. Flitwick fights Dalahov. Ha- I, I went through and I wrote down every fight that we don't another, see. Another, another whole duel, like the duel with Voldemort. That's, uh, Kingsley and who else? Yes. Two other it's, people. It's McGonagall, Slughorn, and Shacklebolt. It's ah, so yes. Kingsley, Slughorn, and McGonagall dueling Voldemort. Hagrid is fighting McNear, uh, who kill who was gonna kill Buckbeak. Um, Wait, is is McNair what? McNair <laughs> is isn't isn't McNair the one that uh almost well, yes, kills Buckbeak? But but I'm trying to yeah. see how he thinks he's going to stand up in a fight against Rubius Hagrid. <laughs> because he's an idiot! <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, Hagrid takes down McNair, Ron and Neville take down Fenrir, uh, Aberforth is fighting Rookwood, Arthur and Percy are fighting Thickness, and then like you said, McGonagall, Slughorn, and Shacklebolt are fighting Voldemort. Um, and I I think you just named ten characters that if you hadn't read the books, yeah. you yes. don't know. <laughs> but I, I still feel like if this like in Endgame, we'd get the shots of the heroes like taking down a bunch of faceless enemies. Like I don't think it mm. really matters that you don't know who the enemy is, because pretty much everybody I I mentioned, you would have on the hero side, you you reckon you'd recognize George, you'd recognize yeah. Flitwick. Hagrid, Ron, and Neville, you'd recognize. Aberforth, you'd recognize. Arthur and Percy, you'd probably recognize. McGonagall, Slughorn, Shacklebolt, like, all of those people. And obviously, you would have recognized Voldemort with them fighting him. But I just, 
I feel like we don't get to see the hero moments of all of these other people. And I I think I I did watch it last week, so I'm a no, little yeah. I'm a little foggy on it, but um it's more like the Bellatrix duel isn't done as much justice either, yes. I think. So like, is she fighting all three of the girls at first? Yes. I'm, in the book. I wasn't sure if in the in the movie. Oh, I'm in the saying. movie. Oh, um... I I think she might just throw a curse near Ginny, and that's when Molly jumps in. And it yeah, it just it didn't seem as climactic as as the book because like Voldemort and Bellatrix standing back to back in yeah. the middle of the Great Hall, just taking on six different <laughs> wizards. <laughs> and it's great because. For people that don't know, Bellatrix is fighting Luna, Hermione, and Ginny at once. And then Bellatrix almost kills Ginny. And Harry, who had been beelining for Voldemort the entire time, doesn't even think about it. He just immediately changes course and begins to run at her. But Molly knocks him on his ass. Yep. <laughs> and we do get we do get in the movie, not my daughter, you bitch. Um oh, so good. And you know. Uh, Molly kills Bellatrix instead of Harry, who is was obviously about to. Uh, and after this, Voldemort attempts to kill Ginny and Molly, and that is when Harry reveals himself. Yes, because it ricochets for no reason. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he throws uh, up his massive shield uh, throughout the Great Hall, and then. <laughs> They're... It's very hard to explain this next bit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really didn't even try in my notes because all I wrote Harry is that Harry and Voldemort. a villain yes. monologue. <laughs> yes, he has a massive yeah. monologue and it's fantastic. It's so good. I love that monologue so much. Uh, I know it would have been hard to adapt, but and Harry is only calling him Tom the entire time. Yeah. He just keeps calling him Tom or Riddle and I love it he never calls him voldemort in that scene i um, i think he calls him voldemort at the beginning and yeah, then he might. yeah like he calls him out as voldemort and then at one point he does say the one thing you don't know riddle and yeah. that just sets voldemort off and then he God. yeah just switches to tom and riddle and God, just keeps so addressing good. him by his plain old and it works because in the book I feel like they tried to make the final fight kind of really climactic in the movie, but it it almost doesn't work for me because everything that we're told up until that point in the book, we know Harry's going to win that final duel. But there's no way that Voldemort kills him as long mm -hmm. as things play out the way that they're going to. As long as Voldemort tries to kill him with the Elder Wand, it will not it will not work. Yes, uh, and I feel like it's kind of explained in the movie but i feel like they do it afterwards uh yeah they they just explain it more with only the wand and they leave yeah. the other stuff of like the harry's blood being in voldemort which has lily's charm in yes. both of them all all of that extra stuff that again would just be hard to just translate onto movie yeah what what do you just have to have somebody explain these things and yeah if we learned anything from hollows part one 
<laughs> Having 92 people just explain a thing isn't a super great film. Do it as a TV show and you can do they, all the they need to get They need to get stories from, like, so many people in that first one. I know. Uh, and you don't, you don't even get all of any. No. Sad. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say this. Uh, Voldemort's death is ruined, in my opinion. I think that the death in the movie is ruined. I think it's a terrible death for him. Uh, I understand why they decided to do it. I understand why it's like visually better, uh, or not visually better, but visually more excited. But I think like all of the importance behind his death, I think, is stripped away the way that they do it. Yeah, he he should have died a regular mortal death and with everybody able to see it yeah and the one thing that i i don't like and another chain well it's not even a book to move not sure if they colors but they changed expelliarmus from blue to red at some point when did (laughs) yeah they did because Look, all of the spells are just flashy colors in the movies. Like yeah. there is no, like, <laughs> except like they do have like Harry's spell is blue for most of the series, but in this yeah. final battle, and he doesn't even say Expelliarmus, but I know he does. Yeah, they just <laughs> and, both yeah. throw their wands at each like ah, yeah. <sighs> and his his is red and green, Gryffindor and Slytherin all of these dichotomies uh, but okay. it's it's just it's not even consistent with your own films when it's been yeah. blue this whole time um it, it was weird yeah maybe it just didn't show in the bright daylight of the courtyard same way they made so, a green yeah. lightsaber in star wars yeah exactly i was that's exactly what i was gonna say that that's the same thing in star wars with the with luke's lightsaber um in the book I guess you didn't need to put this in the movie, but because every we know it, but in the book, Harry recognizes that he's the master of death and he chooses to give it up. You could say the same thing happens in the movie. They just don't bring attention to it. Uh, mm. He leaves the resurrection stone in the forest. He keeps the cloak and he leaves the elder wand in Dumbledore's grave after repairing mm. his own wand instead of snapping it, um, which See, I yeah. could take. Either way. I, I even disagree with that in the books because like it it was technically his want, but I don't think you could truly master of death without holding the three. And Fair enough, he yeah. does drop the stone before he ever picks up the wall. But I think his point is that he's the only one that knows kind of where yeah. the stone is. So if he just went and grabbed it, he would you know I I don't think uh I I think death would have went and picked it up when Harry dropped it. That's, Dude, that's my... I, yes, I want to see <laughs> that. I want to see Harry show up and death, be, death just be like, "No, you like, don't." Harry get this. Harry walks over and then like I'm I'm not sure which character I'd have. Oh, have Pettigrew pop out of it and pick the stone up off the ground and hand it to Death. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, this be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh now now I'm rewriting the book. <laughs> <laughs> the post battle gathering at Hogwarts is kind of omitted. Uh the Malfoys are there in the book. The Malfoys mm-hmm. are at the post battle sitting there looking like they don't belong. <laughs> which they don't. Uh 
And the final massive difference for me that I wrote down is that we don't see Teddy Lupin in the ending. We don't see uh, uh we don't see Remus's kid. Yeah, but we we don't even no know yeah. who Remus's kid no, is, so it's no. very hard to. He has it a makes kid? sense. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense for why it's cut, but still, do a TV show, please, dear yes. God. <laughs> um. Honestly, yeah. it'd be a stretch for a lot of people to remember who Tonks is at that. Oh, yeah. I think Tonks is a much harder pull for most people than uh, Lupin. <laughs> yeah, and the problem is, like, she actually is pretty memorable in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she's kind of... She's not, like... She's the... Of the... I, I quotation mark, adults in the series, she's the one that's closest to the their age. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. like, second closest to their age meant because serious. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> serious. Oh, serious. Uh, but, yeah, those are all the differences I have uh, written down. Did I? Is there anything I didn't hit on that you guys can remember that you want to bring up? Because I hit on a lot. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of when this thing starts. Because I I've watched both Deathly Hollows movies two days in a row. Yeah. I just have the whole like four hour block in my head. <laughs> this one starts. Where does it... this movie start? It starts at uh, Voldemort opening up Dumbledore's grave. Well, and that's taking... where the last one ends. No, but it's yeah, right and it too. also it also okay. starts there. Then okay. it cuts to. It cuts Ron's to them at back the house. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Ron hasn't... Which, yeah, isn't that scene a little different, too? Because isn't, um... I forget what the the goblin's name is, but isn't he, like, rude to Hermione the whole time? Like, every time she would ask him questions, he would just, like, say... I I just remember, and I remember Harry being like, you're gonna talk to her, you're gonna, like, respect her, or whatever. Because she'll, like, Mm. ask him questions, and he's just, like, whispering mudblood and, like, all that stuff. But I can't... I don't remember if that's in my head. (laughs) Well... Ollivander, that that might be a up creature as well. I, probably, yeah. That's a, I think I'm mixing them all. That up, that but... might that might have been creature because he was a black family uh, house elf, so yeah. he would be racist towards mudbloods, the like. Even he he calls like Weasley blood traitor in the book. Yes, I, I Ollivander in the movie. <sighs> In the first movie, they show his admiration for Voldemort. He has a weird, like, he's very powerful, though. Like, he's a terrible person. I Very strong. And that's in the second I book quote as well. That, I quote that all the time. It's a like great the, quote. The bit from the the Phoenix Feathers. Yes. Curious. Yeah. You should be destined for this one. Brother gave you that scar. So <laughs> good. It's so yeah. good. Great, um, great choice of casting for all of it. Oh yeah, mm. rip John John Hurt. Um, but yeah, because they cut that out of the movie. They don't. He doesn't kind of have his admiration for Voldemort that he does in the first movie, and he does in the seventh book. But mm-hmm. yeah, any other differences you guys want to bring up? Not specifically. All right, all right then. Uh, we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna do. We're gonna update our rankings then. Um. Sarah, I'm going to start yeah. with you. Actually, you know what? No. 
Daniel, we're going to start with you because I don't have any oh. of your ranking. So I'm going to make All you right. on the spot right now. Uh, what are? How would you rank the eight movies? Well, uh, I do have them already written out. Okay. And they they might change a little bit as I'm saying, but the the number one movie for me is Chamber of Secrets. Okay, and it's because it's the first one I ever watched. It's I I happen to prefer the mystery of the chamber and the basilisk to be more interesting than the Philosopher's Stone because it's more I about agree. it's yeah, more I about Slytherin. It's more about Riddle, like. And also, just especially like in combination with the books, like it is, it's my favorite oh, all around. And then uh, number two would be Order of the Phoenix because okay. it's it's very good. Um, one of again the greatest casting choices ever, Helena Bonham Carter for yes. Bellatrix. Her just dancing through the minute, cackling about mm. killing Sirius Black. I killed Sirius Black. Oh. And, okay, this is the point where I do have to bring up Michael Gambon and okay. Richard I do not think Richard Harris could have pulled off this duel in Order of oh, the Phoenix. Oh, I agree, yeah. Because while he was a fantastic actor and a decent Dumbledore, he was a little too old to have imposed the strength that Dumbledore shows. And Michael Gambon does it very well in that movie. Much better than he did in Goblin. Yeah. What I've said in the past <laughs> is that uh is that Richard Harris does a fantastic job playing the Dumbledore in my in my opinion does a fantastic job playing the Dumbledore of books one and two, where he's very mystical, he's very mysterious, he's extremely old in the eyes of the uh of the kids. And I think Michael Gambon does a perfect job playing the Dumbledore that we learn about as we, yes. you know, we the, learn. The Dumbledore you yeah. find out he actually because yes. I don't think Dumbledore's a good guy. Oh, God, that's, that's another conversation. We'll yes, be here forever. That is too much of a conversation. <laughs> but I agree with uh, you. <laughs> yes. And then uh, third would be Philosopher's Stone, the one okay. that started it all. Or, uh -huh. And four, I have Goblet of Fire. Okay. I'd probably have Prisoner of Azkaban here, except I drop it two spots for the. And also, <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan of. Like I don't know the the way it was made is different from the first two, and then the last one. It's it's very different. Yeah. And it just doesn't play the same way the book at all so goblet of fire book four at number four uh -huh. then five i have this one deathly hallows two okay and then six prisoner of azkaban seven okay. half blood prince and okay. eight deathly hallows part one. Oh wow okay yeah all right the uh most boring movie in <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> All right. Sarah, here is what we have for your list so far. Okay. Thank you. Number one is Chamber of Secrets. Number hey. two yes. is Goblet of Fire. Number three is Prisoner of Azkaban. 
Number Oof. four is Order of the Phoenix. Number five is Sorcerer's Stone. Number six is Deathly Hallows Part One. And number seven is Half Blood Prince. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, so God. we have. We have Chamber of Secrets and Half-Blood Prince in the same spot. Hey. <laughs> Just wait till we get to mine. <laughs> um, oh I've, I've heard some of them, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know your rankings up to Goblet. I, I have no idea. <laughs> do you want me to do mine? Because I have it built. Yeah, do yours. Or, well, you could just go in reverse order. Would you rather watch Deathly Hollows Part 2 or Half Blood Prince on their own just next week? Probably Part 2. I don't like it. I I don't know what the rest of the list is. (laughs) All right. Would you rather watch Part 1 or Part 2 of Deathly Hollows? Part 2. Okay, uh, would you rather watch Sorcerer's Stone or Part 2? Sorcerer's Stone. All right, then here it is. It is number six. All right, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's a good spat. You always have to give me trouble. Uh, Yep. That's my job. (laughs) To go over what it was before, it was number one, Goblet of Fire. Number two, Half-Blood Prince. Number three, Prisoner of Azkaban. Number four, Deathly Hallows Part One. Five, Sorcerer's wow. Stone. Yeah. Six, Order of the Phoenix. And seven, Chamber of Secrets. How dare you, sir? Yes. Uh, your, the Last Jedi your is list also is just mine backwards. You <laughs> <laughs> said The Last and, Jedi. <laughs> well, I, was, I said I was going to say if you'd like to hate me even more, The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Just, just to add on. Uh, I but, I have refused to watch The Last Jedi. I know too much about it. <laughs> but I well, also find it very fun to just not have seen it, and people just get even angrier at you for not having watched it and not having an opinion on it than having you know, one that disagrees with them. I, I, I'm 100% for that. Whatever makes people maddest is what I love. Uh, so I, I like that. I like that stance. Attack of the uh, Clones, baby, best Star Wars movie. You know what? I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be fair, I have a hot take that there isn't a good Star Wars movie. Holy shit. All right. Well, we're like, there, we're there's some good, there's some good movie making in the first trilogy, but they're not exceptionally good movies <laughs> no. hey daniel all the good really you've been building up is gone um, yeah i'd i'd have to rewatch them and everything to really bring it up but like, there's there's a few things i i don't like han solo i don't like that chewie <gasps> doesn't get a medal all sorts of things. <laughs> well, you must does. have loved episode nine well, then <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Okay, yes, this is too far into a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) I shouldn't have even... I wanted to make the joke, but then I just triggered myself. Uh, But Deathly Hallows Part 2 is going at number 7. Above Chamber of Secrets, but below below Order of the Phoenix. Um, Yeah, I think the problem with this movie is that I I have no passion for it. 
I just like the book more. Uh, and, and it's not, and there's, I don't even like watching the movie. I'm not even like, for the most part, I, I'm not like, yeah, this still works. I just, I feel like you should have just put it in. Like it should have just been longer and you should have kept this stuff in because whenever we talk about the other movies, I'm very lenient on them because they're already long movies. And I, I always say that, you know, they did, they, they made long movies. I mean, with the exception of really, Order of the Phoenix being two hours and 18 minutes. Pretty much every other one is almost two hours and 30 minutes. Prisoner of Azkaban comes in at two hours and 24 and Deathly Hallows part one comes in at two hour and 16. Um, but like, it just, it doesn't, this movie is so much shorter than all of the other ones and still leaves stuff out. And that just frustrates me. Like I, I don't know. I, I wish that I could love it as much as some people do, but I, I really think that a big part of it is that it feels like they didn't even try to me. Like, it, I, it feels... I shouldn't I say that because that's too know why, I do kind of want to know why you hate Order so much. No, I like Order. I should point out, I like all these movies. <laughs> like, it's like... He hates them. I, oh, I... Well, see, I... I actually don't like Hollows Part 1. Very upset when I left the theater watching that movie. I I I can't actually explain it other than like I I guess the end of Game of Thrones is a like yeah. It's just like it felt Wow, we're we're touching every it, subject it felt, tonight. It felt rushed. It felt rushed and also just not full enough of a picture like you weren't getting yeah. people's feelings across on camera <laughs> uh but but order was I... my like least favorite book i think it was oh i love long, order as a book it, it was very hard for me to get through order agree some some of the bits especially when harry is mad at everybody the order <laughs> and it's just like yeah like they're not letting you know but you're also for 14 15 calm down dude i honestly feel like most of my most of my opinions on fandom can be sub like can be summed up with goblet of fire is my favorite harry potter movie and the last jedi is my favorite star wars movie so like i feel like once you hear me say that you oh. know everything you need to know <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, like the yeah. rest explains itself. Um I have garbage opinions. Uh <laughs> uh anyways, those are the lists. This was our Harry Potter did it. show that we've been doing for like five months. Uh <laughs> five months to watch eight movies. Um I I wanna throw it to you first. Daniel, where can the listeners find you? I'm uh I'm not super active online, but I'm trying to get more active. Uh, but you can find me at the Shmos of the North uh, Facebook page, where a page dedicated to the movie trivia Schmodown on YouTube. And we, uh, the guys over there, my fellow admins, they run a show where they interview a bunch of the personalities there, and another one where they recap the matches. So. Trivia contest meets wrestling performance art sort of stuff, if anybody mm -hmm. is unfamiliar. 
It's great. And <laughs> I, I can be found over there. I run some polls. I run some fantasy leagues over there. Have lots of fun. And hopefully I'll be on some more shows and podcasts. This was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad that you had fun. Uh, Sarah, where can listeners find you? Uh, you can find and that's all the time we have. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can just find me on all the podcasts uh, on Merc with the Movie blog. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK on this podcast feed, movie blog Merc. And then also I have two other shows you guys can check out. Trouble at the Tipton, which is a Sweet Life of Zack and Cody recap podcast because I love watching <laughs> hilarious shows. Uh, that's at Trouble at Tipton on Twitter. Also, I do a Power Rangers recap podcast because I have great taste in things. That's good. I've been at- meaning to check that out. It is. It's a show that I do. Uh, at Go Into the Grid on Twitter. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, at Go Into the Grid on Twitter to check that out. You guys can find this show and others on the Merc with the Movie blog podcast feed, which can be located on... Ready? Here we go. I'm going to... Time me, Sarah. Ready? Mm-hmm. Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio, Public Breaker, and Overcast. Uh, I wish I could say more podcast platforms. I wish we had more podcast platforms for me to promote. I like saying lots of podcast platform names at the end of the show. I don't know why. But it's like my thing. Nerd. Uh, <laughs> should I just should I start uploading your podcast to different platforms and send Please. you lists of them? Yes, that would Cause... make me so happy. Because <laughs> I think I can't find them on mine. <laughs> yes, that's what I. You need to tell me what platforms we're not on so I can tell Anchor to put us there. Uh, yes. Well, I can tell Josh to tell Anchor to put us there. Um, <laughs> You guys can Ask also follow. Nicely. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you guys can also follow Merc with the Movie Blog on Twitter at Movie Blog Merc. Thank you guys so much for listening. 